Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. We're glad you have joined us for season four. And Matt, I'll be honest, the thing I'm most excited about Mm -hmm. is our interaction with the Finest Work fans. Why don't you tell us about this new segment that we have this season? Yeah, we realized that we were probably being pretty stingy with the feedback we get. And we get so much feedback from the Finest Work fans. Daily. It's it's pretty incredible. Um, It's hard to respond to it all. And so we thought, you know, this season would be a great idea to share some of that feedback with the listeners. The Gmail is where it's happening. This is a segment we like to call Kenny Gmail. Fan mail, if you will, that's mm-hmm. that's come in through uh, our Gmail account. Again, finestworksongs at gmail.com. And so this one this week uh, comes from Freda Cashin. This is in response to the Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction epipod we did last year. Freda, I don't know. Freda? Freda. F-R-E-D-D-A Cashin. Yeah, all, all, right. all one word. All right. And so Freda writes, hey, thanks for the strategies presented. One thing I also believe is credit cards giving a zero rate often lure consumers. Nonetheless, beware of the real factor that will void your own zero Easy Street annual percentage rate and also throw anybody out into the bad house quickly. Dang. You hear stories about Guns N' Roses. I think they lived in some pretty bad houses when they were getting started. It yeah. was pretty rough. and Probably had a song called Easy Street. Probably. Yeah. And, and, you know, they probably had some debt. You know, they probably put a bunch of stuff on credit cards early. So, I mean, I, mean, I think totally, totally relevant email. Yeah, that makes Completely sense. relevant. Freda, if you're listening, I appreciate you looking out for other Finest Work fans yeah. and us. You know, she probably imagines the money that we're raking in with this podcast. Mm-hmm. So sure. she's wanting to make sure that we we're stay out of wisely. the bad houses. Yeah, 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 totally. One other really quick one. This is from Sandra Williams, and this is in response to part one of our REM Green epipod. She writes, you are also part of an amazing community. Every other long-distance Sailor is your friend. Oh, <laughs> super nice. nice. So we got a, we got a like a navy contingent. Ahoy there, here. mateys! Welcome aboard. So yeah, th- th- <laughs> thanks again for uh, listening to another version of Kenny Gmail. What album are we covering today? Today we are going to be talking about Nirvana's Nevermind. It's kind of too on the nose. Two middle-aged white guys (laughs) talking about Nirvana's Nevermind. I I even wore flannel today. Yeah, you did. In honor. Completely ironic. I even wore my t-shirt that says corporate magazine still suck. Yeah, nice. Well done. While it is obvious, it is for a reason. Because this is an incredible album. But to be honest, one that I don't listen to regularly. Really? And you're like, really? (laughs) Really, you moron. (laughs) For a lot of us, it's an album that we're going to ask, does it hold up Mm -hmm. to the hype? Right. You know, I don't think anyone would argue that at the time it wasn't influential, Mm -hmm. but, you know, we could see that impact continue or is it something that we look at as like, oh, that was a neat turning point in rock Mm -hmm. history. That's all it is. Right. As always, we like to begin with our memories of an album. So, Matt, what is your memory of Nirvana's Nevermind? So, when this album just exploded on the scene, I was in high school in Dunn, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. We were just close enough to Raleigh where occasionally we could pick up the signal for WKNC, NC State's radio station. And my friend Stan, who was drummer in several of my bands mm-hmm. in high school, which we won't get into, listeners. But. No, there's, there's, an, I think there's one I, f- I failed to mention before. <gasps> Shut up! I think. Are you serious? I, think so, I thought yeah. we had exhausted the catalog. Yeah, I thought so too. And, <laughs> oh I man, did Nirvana so. remind you of it? It did because they, at this point, Stan was really into heavy metal, mm-hmm. and we 
would listen to WKNC and they had at the time and may still have it a weekly show called Chainsaw Rock, which was just the loudest, heaviest, fastest. WKNC at that time was the most metal college station. Yes. I mean, <laughs> even when metal was like not cool anymore, <laughs> WKNC was still all in on metal. Yeah. Stan kept hearing the song. Unskinny Bop. Unskinny Bop. <laughs> Cherry Pie by Warren. <laughs> but the signal was not great. So he never could quite make out the name of the band. And it was like fuzzy. And, and there's know, like cows mooing. He's like, shut up, cows. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm going to go push you over. <laughs> and so uh, being you know, the early 90s, he you know, no internet. You couldn't Google. You couldn't Shazam this song no. and try and figure it out. So he did what any normal person would do at that time. And we... Goes to the nearest record store, which probably for us was the record bar at Cross Creek Mall in Fayetteville. Thinking he had heard the name of the band, he, he goes up to the, the guy oh, at the record man. bar and says, do you have marijuana? <laughs> <laughs> which he either, you know, left there disappointed or with a new side hustle. Uh, you know, who knows? I really do think the guy immediately knew what he was talking about. Oh, know? really? And it was yeah. like, yeah, I think you mean Nirvana. And I credit my friend Stan for kind of being one of the first ones to, at least to hear. I'm sure it was already big other places. But I the, know. It, college Radio is the one that pushed it to right. the forefront. Probably wasn't long before, you know. We were scouring thrift shops for ratty sweaters and corduroys. Mm -hmm. It seemed like it was an overnight explosion and change in everything. Years later, watching VH1 behind the music, Mm -hmm. and one of the guys from Motley Crue or Warrant or Rat saying they remember watching the video for Smells Like Teen Spirit and looking at each other and going, we're done. All of a sudden, they realize we look pretty silly. Wow. Overnight, hair metal and spandex and hairspray and all that was not cool anymore it was on the main stage on mtv regular rotation Mm -hmm. with a hook like that yeah yeah there are punk bands out there yeah but when they see how popular Mm -hmm. this new sound and how undeniable the melody is of smells like teen spirit that Mm -hmm. i can see where they would think oh Yeah. yeah that's it what about you what's your what's your memory of nirvana like you it brings back memories of some old friends but we were a little bit younger just entering into middle school as summer's winding down you know we're getting ready to start school again and one of my friends hears his older brother talking about how they had seen this dead body you've heard this story no i mean typical end of summer looking for a dead body i mean who didn't yeah so we decided that we were going to be local heroes we begin our journey and you know the whole time we're just singing classic songs oh yeah we had a real fun run-in with the junkyard owner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we almost died there at the hands of that junkyard dog. But we kept on going, singing our songs. Just classic songs, man. I'm talking like... Lollipop. Lollipop. You know, just like a couple teenage boys just singing songs and having a great time. We walk across this long bridge, bopping along, singing. And all of a sudden, I felt the track and I noticed that a train was coming. I got real scared and I was like, train! And one of the guys was like, train, good idea. Hey, soul sister, <laughs> is that Mr. Mister? <laughs> and I was like, no, you fools, a real train's coming. And so they got back to singing Lollipop, but just picked up oh, the right tempo. Right. Yeah, lollipop, just lollipop, 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 yep, lollipop. Exactly. We made it across the bridge, barely. <laughs> and, you know, sleep out in the woods, get covered in leeches as oh, we man. go across the swamp. I mean, the time of our lives. <laughs> anyway, we found the body. It was sad. 
It was gross. Mm-hmm. Can't unsee that. Nope. <laughs> I still can't unsee that. I can that. still see those eyes <laughs> yep. looking at me. Yep. I mean, no, I wasn't there. What am I talking no, about? No, but yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. imagine. Yep. Then the older brother and the gang arrived. I pulled a gun on him. Sure. Got him Logical. out of there. Naturally, like any 12-year-old kid. But we ended up deciding not to become heroes, mm. that it wouldn't be right. We were walking back to town. And we were going to tell the authorities, but then we heard this new song on the radio, Smells Like Teen Spirit, mm-hmm. and it just blew us away, and we forgot all about calling anybody or yeah. telling anybody. So I don't know what happened to the kid, but man, Nirvana just changed everything it for really us. Did. Yeah. Let's be honest. You built that whole thing up just so you could sing Train, didn't you? I <laughs> was very excited this morning when I thought, and not even for the listeners, I just thought, Matt is going to love this dumb joke. I honestly... As we started this thing, it was really just for us, and we didn't think anyone would listen. Yeah. It still kind of is. Yeah. You right. know, it's like there are so many times that I'm like, Matt's going to love this dumb joke. <laughs> for real, though, similar memory. Yeah. I was in high school. It really is one of those moments where when you see it, when you hear it, and when you experience it, it's so difficult to describe right. now, but it changed. It just changed everything. It's really one of those moments, and I, and I know I'm going to oversimplify this, but when you think about something screeching music to a halt and, and revolutionizing it overnight, seemingly, you've got Elvis, Beatles, mm-hmm. Michael Jackson, and Nirvana. Wham. Wham. Train, train, aforementioned train. Yep. The list grows, but it's it's not an extensive list. Your Nirvana uh, with Nevermind definitely is one of those that just changed everything. And we're going to see why. Mm-hmm. You may or may not have heard this song. <laughs> <laughs> Smells like Teen Spirit. Nirvana comes along with Nevermind and Smells Like Teen Spirit. Hair metal is still big. You've still got Skid Row and Motley Crue and Warrant and things like that that are pretty dominant among the rock scene, if you will. When Nirvana comes along, major immediate impact was helped by other things like college radio and bands like REM and the Pixies. And, and mm-hmm. you have, have sort of this undercurrent, this kind of independent 
music scene that's that's coming along, this college radio scene, which kind of greased the wheels, if you will, for a, a band like Nirvana to overtake hair metal bands. With Smells Like Teen Spirit, it was the antithesis of everything hair metal mm-hmm. you know, and everything else that was going on in mainstream rock. I there think. had been this growing movement mm-hmm. It broke through the surface right. with Nirvana. I think so. Yeah. Yes, it's the, it's the music, it's the sound, it's everything that's pleasing to the ear with it. it sounds simple. You know, it doesn't sound overly yeah. difficult. It's speaking just from our age, you could sit in your room with just a distortion pedal and maybe a chorus pedal <laughs> with your guitar yeah. and you could almost recreate the sound of Nirvana in a lot of ways. Yeah. Listening now, you know, especially through the whole album, you realize it was there's more to it than that, particularly from the production standpoint. It was accessible. It's a pretty melody. Then you throw in sort of these things where you don't really know what he's saying. The video for Smells Like Teen Spirits in the high school gym and you've got these like tattooed cheerleaders. Yeah. The student bodies like you're kind of banging their head along. And yeah. You can't see any of their faces. I mean, you Oh, no, it's so dark. We all know what Dave Grohl looks like easily now because he's everywhere but you just saw a massive long black hair and so there was just also so much just a mystery too i think with nirvana who are these guys what do they look like what, what are they saying the cheerleaders had the anarchy symbol yeah. they look like kind of drugged out stoned mm-hmm. despondent there's crowd surfing yeah, i don't think that the word angst Right. was really used in mainstream music before no. this. Yeah. And so it tapped into something. Mm-hmm. It's interesting when you look at the trajectory of music and then when it becomes mainstream and the rebellion against mm-hmm. that, you look at a band like Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. becoming famous. And I'm talking about what breaks through to the mainstream. So you've got all these bands that become mainstream. Mm-hmm. The continuation of that leads into hair metal. Mm-hmm. What used to be innovative and rebellious mm-hmm. has now become corporate mm-hmm. and mainstream. Nirvana is in the right place at the right time to yep. overthrow that beast. But then even you look at after Nirvana. Creed. You know, yeah, it's sort of like your grunge and then your grunge 2.0. Yeah. These bands become huge. And then something, the next Nirvana comes along and, and undercuts that. This is a continuous cycle of this becomes big, we get tired of this, so what's the exact opposite of that? I know the timing is probably off, but one of the reasons I think Hootie and the Blowfish what got big mm-hmm. was because their sound was completely different from everything else that was building up before that. Yeah. Then you have the exact same thing where you have Edwin McCain and you have these kind of acoustic guitar-led, pop ballad, semi-Southern rock kind of bands yeah. that come along, and, and then we get tired of that, and then we move on to something else it's the daggone record companies go around and after nirvana they went around and signed up every flannel wearing northwest band there's a oral history called everybody loves our town Mm -hmm. it's pretty good but you know as you and i've talked about before oral histories are a little bit lazy Mm -hmm. and also it's hard to believe anybody in it yeah (laughs) the section on nirvana talked about how the record company did not know it would be huge Mm -hmm. but everyone back then says we knew oh yeah of course (laughs) even the drum tech i think takes credit for writing a lyric yeah you know and even says they probably wouldn't remember it but this is how it happened the barista at the local coffee shop where dave Grohl may have like gone once yeah probably has a story about how they knew they knew that they were going to be huge bruh (laughs) this latte is so good you should sniff the coffee beans as they go in bloom Ooh. Yeah, and he's like, what? Then he pulled out his notebook and immediately started scribbling down some lyrics. Yeah, Seattle became the epicenter. 
Then it became, what's the next Seattle? I've got the cover of, I think it was Details Magazine from like oh 1993. And it's like Chapel Hill or Raleigh-Durham, Chapel Hill, the next Seattle, question mark. And you crossed that out and wrote, done, done. question mark, the next Seattle. <laughs> Your grunge had already become so passe a year later. Yeah. Someone saying, oh, we've got to find the next Seattle. And you almost had all these musicians here in like the triangle pushing against that is like, no, we're not Seattle. Yeah. Not in a like Seattle's not cool anymore way, but it was more like, okay, they had their time. That's good. We're not trying to be Seattle. We're trying to do our own thing. Yeah. These things burn so brightly and so quickly when they burn out, like people just want to get over it as quick as they can. Except for the record companies. They want to keep finding that sound. Yeah. Let's keep it going. Next song on the album was their fourth single released a little over a year after Smells Like Teen Spirit. And this is In Bloom. One of my daughters was driving with me, and when we get to the chorus of that, her eyes kind of pop up. She's like, is he saying God said shoot his gun? <laughs> you read things now, and Dave Grohl talks about how the lyrics were really like an afterthought. Yeah. Kurt Cobain didn't spend that much time on the lyrics. The lyrics are still so impactful for these songs. And so you hear, you know, God says shoot his gun, or you've got the lines from Smells Like Teen Spirit, and you're like, what, what does he mean by a mulatto and an albino like and they would probably have told you like oh they, they just kind of rhymed well the cadence made sense for the song but within bloom and, and a lot of the other songs you did find yourself kind of dissecting what these lyrics meant and mm-hmm. that was another appealing part of nirvana this wasn't bang your head metal health will drive you mad i mean this is completely different maybe nonsensical it definitely fit like that punk ethos in some ways he voiced the feelings of generation Mm -hmm. x latchkey kids rebellion to 
excess. Having grown up in the 80s, we mm-hmm. had experienced the whole Stranger Things growing up, yeah. um, minus the monsters. But yeah, sure. that show does capture the 80s childhood so well. So we had experienced all the excess of the Reagan era and kind of left feeling a little little lacking. Mm-hmm. There's a reason there was a huge punk undercurrent in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then he comes and, and he says these words. In some ways, even if it doesn't mean anything, we're like, yeah. I feel you, dog. I feel that. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. According to one biographer, this was written about the jocks mm-hmm. who started coming to Nirvana shows right. after they got more popular. And so he's like, we are the kids you beat up on. Right. We don't want you at our shows yeah. now that we're popular. And I think they even said those jocks would come to the shows and yell out the Pearl Jam song titles. <laughs> you know, you know right. which, which again speaks to like when Pearl Jam gets big and Alice in Chains explodes. And, and I mean, and I love them all, but I lumped them all together. And I'm sure like the Nirvana guys are like, we're not Pearl Jam. And I'm sure the Pearl Jam guys are like, we're completely different from Nirvana. I mean, as time has gone on, you know, Pearl Jam is, is more like the Rolling Stones. They're a rock band. They don't have the punk foundation that right. Nirvana has. One thing that appealed to me with Nirvana, particularly as their career went on, I mean, one of their hero bands was R.E.M. One thing I think they learned from R.E.M. was paying respects to the bands that they really liked. And so I would never have heard of the Meat Puppets mm-hmm. or the Melvins if it weren't for Nirvana. Having said that, I'm sure there were probably fans of those bands who were like, oh, Nirvana, they were such sellouts. Whereas yeah. like to mainstream rock, you know, Nirvana was like as punk as it gets. It's all relative. Do you remember the video for this song? Is this the old TV show? Ed Sullivan type yeah. thing where they introduced them. All right, here we go. Nirvana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then they go back and forth between the footage of them playing very morosely. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to that otherworldly footage of them wearing dresses and oh, yeah. destroying the set. When I think of Nirvana, I think of the video of Smells Like Teen Spirit. I think of In Bloom. But I think of numerous times I saw footage of Kurt Cobain launching himself into Dave Grohl's drum kit, yeah. like a torpedo. Uh-huh. Pete Townsend has this whole like windmill guitar thing. Yeah. I mean, Kurt Cobain's was like, I'm going to go jump into the drum kit. That was his thing. Was it the music awards where Chris threw the bass up and it landed on him? Yeah, he like, kind of starts staggering around. Yeah. And, and he was always barefoot. Well, most Sasquatches are. Yeah, that's true. That's a, that's a really good point. <laughs> He would always change his name, the way he spelled his name. Oh, I mean, really? Yeah, like it would be Chris, K-R-I-S, and it'd be K-R-I-S-T, then it'd be like Christ. Yeah. And, and then I mean, it was it like was... K-R-S-1. <laughs> yeah, and, whoa, and yeah. he was rapping. It yep. was crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was the cardigans. It was, yeah. when a band like this comes along and changes everything, it's not just the music. It's all the ancillary things around it. And all of a sudden, everybody wanted to have longer hair parted down the middle and a goatee overnight. I still can't really get, grow a good goatee, but no. I tried to have a goatee. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yep. Oh, in that video, Kurt, in an interview, he said, this is us trying to show we have a humor side. Quit mm-hmm. taking us so seriously. Right. Which is funny thinking about Dave Grohl's, all his Foo Fighter videos and how funny he They're is. Funny. So yeah. it's clear that they were just trying to, in some ways, trying to survive this fame and this utter importance that people now attribute mm-hmm. to you. In that video where they were playing all in mm-hmm. suits and everything, he said, we wanted to be like the Beatles. No, the Dave Clark Five. We would never make fun of the Beatles. <laughs> right. He's a huge Beatles fan. When they were recording Nevermind, and I guess Butch Vig, the mm-hmm. producer, asked him to double track his vocals. And he was like, that's not that authentic. Inauthentic, yeah. inauthentic. It was only when they said, well, John Lennon did it. Okay, well, that's okay. You don't get Nirvana without the pop sensibility of right. the Beatles. Right. That's what I think people often miss because it's like they don't care 
they're just trashing the stage. Well, even in, in Bloom, you know, you get to the quote unquote guitar solo mm-hmm. and it's not your traditional guitar solo. It's, it's grinds at your sensibilities a little bit, but yeah. the song itself is a wonderful, well-constructed pop song. That chorus is so catchy. Music experts, musicologists, mm-hmm. music nerds mm-hmm. online, and, and you can go find these videos where they break down the chords of the song. Mm-hmm. And their point is not that Kurt Cobain, you know, had a degree in music theory. Right. They're saying the melodic sensibility mm-hmm. that Kurt Cobain has was one of the best in rock history. Yeah. And they break down sort of the chord voicings and how he sang mm-hmm. and the melody choices he made. And when you watch them do that, it's undeniable. Mm-hmm. Even apart from all the music theory, we still can sing these melodies and walk around singing these songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to what you're saying about the, the solo, also Dave Grohl mentioned that there was an unspoken rule that you avoided unnecessary drum fills. Hmm. So there is an aspect to this music, this DIY mm-hmm. authenticity. You can't be too earnest. You can't try too hard. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had Jeff Wood and Matt Wood on the show. Mm-hmm. And as we played music throughout the 90s and even into the 2000s, there was that impact of you don't go try so hard. You don't yeah. go out there and market yourself or put yourself out there. Yeah. You're not supposed to care that much. Well, you're not supposed to show off. We're here for the song. Which to a degree that ended up the bands that I was in, it kind of damaged us because there was this don't go put yourself out there. Yeah. Don't go market yourself. Right. You know? You're know, you only supposed to care about the music. And if you showed any sort of ambition, yeah, right. <laughs> then right. You, you're like, oh, you're a sellout. You're fake. Yeah. Kind of went too far in the mm-hmm. 90s where bands growing up now have no problem saying, yeah, we want people to hear our music. Yeah. Well, and it's also a lot easier to market yourself. Or even just to record yourself. Yep. As we keep rolling, next song is uh, Come As You Are. You can walk into any guitar center in any city in the U.S. and you will hear certain riffs. 
Metallica's one when you say and they're done that Dave Matthews mm-hmm. Satellite probably yeah and Come as, come you, as are. you Are is yeah. one that you will hear every single time is it Wayne's World where uh, they're testing out some guitars <laughs> oh, yeah. and he starts playing Stairway to Heaven <laughs> and the guy points to the sign and was like no Stairway you gotta oh, think right. in the mid nineties this was the Stairway to Heaven of a any sort of guitar yes. shop. Because it's not that difficult to play. If you're a beginning guitarist, it's two strings. Yeah, and this this, this you know, opening riff, but it's darn catchy. You know, Nirvana was probably going to be what they were to some degree, whether or not Dave Grohl ever joined the band. But I think Dave Grohl solidified what they wanted to do, and his drumming on this oh album is ridiculous. But There's... he's also like a major acolyte of Rush, and like, oh my gosh! But my point there is like, he <laughs> Rush is awesome. I mean, point A, <laughs> Rush is awesome. Dave Grohl likes it. Point B, Twenty One Twelve is the greatest concept album ever. I think if you asked all three guys, they understood the importance of a song structure. Yeah. How you put a song together is more important than all those embellishments. Yeah, no, that's a great point. In preparing for this epipod, I watched a little bit of their induction into the mm. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. At least the parts with Dave Grohl mm-hmm. and Chris Novoselic. I fast forwarded when Courtney came on. Dave gets up there and the very first thing he says is, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for the other drummers in Nirvana and I want to thank them. <laughs> and so he goes on and names each drummer. Good. It was amazing. By all accounts, he's like such a good dude. I think he brought a level of normalcy and sort of level-headedness that they probably didn't have at the time because he's just kind More of a, suburban. You know, I don't mean that in a detrimental right. way, but those two were like crazy. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I mean, literally living under bridges and things like that. Yeah. And, and he's like this normal suburban kid who just really likes music and wants to play music. I mean, he could have been like me. I mean, I'm not... You anywhere. are the Dave Grohl of I John. am the Dave Grohl He could have come out of any town USA. Yeah. He grew up um, in Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia. In that DC hardcore scene. Yeah. Was in a band called Scream. Yep. And for him, it was a, a step up because mm-hmm. Bleach was such a big deal. Yeah. You're right. They would have been Nirvana. What he brought mm-hmm. completed them. Yeah. It was the whole Jerry Maguire, you complete me type yeah, thing. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's what they were going for. There's just something about certain drummers. Yeah. And he's one of them where someone else could play what you're playing, mm-hmm. but it would not sound as intense and yeah. aggressive. But it's also not just beating the crap out of the drums. Yeah. There's just an energy to mm-hmm. it. And we talked about that on Tom Petty episode. Yeah. Because when Tom Petty had him on SNL. Oh, yeah. And he played Honeybee. It's like, that's Nirvana drumming yeah, in a right. Tom Petty song. And it even seemed to shock Mike Campbell yeah. a little bit. He, like, whoa. He looks back at him like, what? Yeah. But smiling, like enjoying yeah. it. But I'll tell you about the time I saw Dave Grohl. No. Some friends and I were at a concert in D.C. A band called Rocket from the Crypt, who is this punk band from San Diego. Mm-hmm. And they're one of the best shows I've ever seen. And we had gotten there and tried to get up... T- towards the front. It was probably like 2002 or something. We look over to the right and seven feet away, standing right in front of the huge speakers (laughs) is Dave Grohl sitting there sipping a bud and just whistling extremely loudly through his teeth. You are a huge rock star, but here you are at this club, probably your home for Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. to see your mom or dad or something. And you come out to this club to see this punk band that you love. And also you're deaf because you're standing yeah, next yeah, to right. these huge speakers and you're unaffected, but also just sipping a Budweiser right. and like a normal dude just hanging out. Yeah. He's not showing up in a limo with bodyguards right. or anything like that. It's like, right. no, I'm just going out to see a rock show. Yeah. He just That's seems awesome. like such a normal dude. Yeah. This is a good song. Come as you are. Yeah. But it's been voted in the top 50, 100 greatest rock songs ever. 
It's like one of the most played songs of the decade on mainstream rock radio. Mm-hmm. Rolling Stone ranked it as 445th on the greatest songs of all time. Mm. It's a good song, but I just don't think it's all that. It's the one song of theirs that probably is played most on the radio still today. I don't get it. Again, it's a great good song. song. Yep. But when you're talking about the 500 best songs ever, it's not a greatest rock song. It's just best songs ever. It doesn't land in there. All right, fourth song follows up with Breed. This song kind of captures the best parts of all three of those guys. Dave Grohl's machine gun drumming. I dare you to not like bop your head as that bass comes in. Yeah. Such a good, fast pop punk punk song. The background scene of Seattle music was way more metal. Mm -hmm. And you see that in Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. Right. Their descendants are more... Sabbath and Zeppelin. Yeah. Those are the bands that sort of led into them, whereas... You can trace Nirvana back to more punk. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an overwhelming punk scene. Right. Probably to the bands there, when you say there's a Seattle sound, they think, what does that mean? Right. We are not anything at all like that other band. Yeah. But this punk feel, I think, is what helped launch the whole punk. No offense, Troy, but you don't have Green Day without Nirvana coming. Sure. You don't have bands even like live break out unless you have Nirvana. Yeah. We say, hey, these other bands wouldn't be here without Nirvana. But Kurt Cobain himself said that when he heard the Pixies, that changed everything for him. Mm -hmm. He just said, I felt like I should be in that band Mm -hmm. or a Pixies cover band. And even asked people when Nevermind came out, does it sound too much like the Pixies? Shout out to the Pixies, man. Yeah. It's funny too, because, you know, again, to hear Kurt Cobain talk about his influences being the Pixies or R.E.M. or the Beatles, I think for most people, and myself included, like I didn't immediately hear those influences when Nirvana broke onto the scene. I would have immediately thought more of The Clash or New York Dolls or you know punk-leaning bands. Yeah. And it's only until you kind of, like you said, think about the, the melody and the song structures that you hear, you hear those influences come in. This one author said, suddenly all bets are off. No one has the inside track on which of dozens, perhaps hundreds of ornery, unkept bands might next appeal to the mall walking millions. Yeah. No one could have foreseen that right. these three would have replaced Michael Jackson's right. Dangerous yeah. as the number one album. Right. I'm so happy because today from my friends in my head. I'm so happy. 
good that this wasn't the first thing that people heard of Nirvana because I think it's a little bit of a more difficult entry point to them. This is one that Kurt said I actually tried to finish this song instead of just grabbing bits of poetry mm-hmm. that I'd written. Other songs that's kind of what he did. Yeah. Again, lyrics yeah. second. And it's so funny to me because even in the iTunes description it says some of the most oblique yet thoughtful lyrics of all time. <laughs> According to Nirvana themselves, they're like Okay, if yeah. you say so. Right. Most of the songs are a little bit what you want them to be about. Yeah. But this is one that almost is an anthem lyrically, even more than Smells Like Teen Spirit, bringing in that slacker mm-hmm. Gen X. Yeah. I'm so happy because today I found my friends. They're in my head. I'm so ugly. That's okay because so are you. Yeah. Deep sarcasm and self-loathing, self-deprecation. You're drawing your anarchy signs on your notebooks at school, yeah. in class, and oh, I, I don't care anymore. So. The whole I don't care thing. Yeah. That's even what he sings. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> There's an entire satellite radio channel called Lithium. Really? It's all grunge and like 90s rock. I'm sure there's a little bit more to it, but I got to think that's it's because of this song and because of Nirvana. Sure. Okay, Matt, we could go on and on about simply the impact of this album. Mm-hmm. We could go on and on about what it influenced and what came after it. Mm-hmm. We could go on and on about 
the melodic sensibilities of Kurt Cobain. We haven't even touched on side two. No, I mean... Which is great in its own right. Dave Grohl's drumming, Kurt's tragic death. Their unplugged performance. But we're out of time. We'll just leave it at... It has been a whole lot of fun to talk about this album. Mm-hmm. I'm only more impressed. Mm-hmm. I don't go back and think, right place, right time. Yeah, seems of its time. Yeah. yeah. It's in the Library of Congress. Next to Willie Nelson's Red-Headed Stranger. <laughs> yeah. This is an album I will listen to. Every Christmas. Every Christmas. Come around, kids. Christmas Eve. You know, most families read The Night Before Christmas. Like, no, no, let's, let's yeah. get around the old CD player. <laughs> It still holds up so well. Okay, listeners. So one thing we try and do is challenge ourselves to remove a song if we had to. So Matt, Kurt Cobain's going to dive onto you like your Dave Grohl's drum set. (laughs) You don't take a song off of Nevermind. So if you had to, which song would it be? The kind of easy, lazy part is to take the hidden track off. Endless, nameless. I mean, that's that's the easy, lazy way. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Not that I was going to do that. I'm just wondering. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. There's a part of me that would take um, on a plane off. Only because I feel like that's the one song that is a tad too formulaic okay. and, and repetitive then as i was thinking about it that's also one they performed on unplugged and the mm-hmm. acoustic unplugged version of it is really good yeah. it shows that it really is like a solid song and can't take that song off no. this album no. so endless nameless okay. the hidden track is what <laughs> i would right. take off what about you what song would you take off endless nameless i don't even think my original version had that on it probably there. didn't but if i had to take a legit song off the standard track list of the album it would be polly It's creepy as all get out. Yeah. It's pretty scary. It's like listening to Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, that's you know? true. And so it's catchy, but it's always the one that I'm just like, ugh. Because it was a kind of simple acoustic song, that was a song that like our bands would do because you could do it. It, <laughs> yeah. was, it was easy, but I do prefer the earlier like punk version of that. It's yeah. fast and loud. and You can ignore the You can ignore the, the creepy. You cannot ignore it on the slow no, version. <laughs> no, you can't. Not at all. Thanks again to everyone for listening to Finest Work Songs. Uh, again, you can engage with us on social media, at Twitter and Instagram, at Finest Work Songs, or Facebook. And of course, please email us, finestworksongs at gmail.com. Who knows? Your email might get read as part of our next Kenny Gmail segment. Thanks for listening to Season 4 of Finest Work Songs. And until next time, we hope you just have a good day. Hey, come as you are. Care for yourself. You do you. Yeah. Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music.